The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative, and Derek Bailey is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you move your mouth, I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff, I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning, and welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money is about insurance, stocks and bonds, retirement, estate planning, and just all those things. It's Talk Money. It's everything financial. Our guests bring their insights and perspectives about their topic of expertise. This is from our Did You Know file in the last 75 years. That's from 1943 to 2017. The S&P has had 28 declines of at least 10%. Of course, we consider that to be a correction. Is defined, of course, as a stock market is at least a 10% correction. Now, the last 10% correction that we're talking about took place over two years ago, right at two years ago in February of 2016. That's where the market dropped about 13.3%. You need to be prepared for that. You need to be thinking about that. Are we poised for a correction? Well, that's a question that we'll talk a little bit about today in today's program. The White House has announced in January that they're going to say, you know, do a tariff on washing machines imported from foreign countries. Those countries... Of course, it's one particular, two companies in South Korea. They're going to get a 20% tariff. It starts, of course, this year. It's about um, the first 1.2 million washing machines that are imported to the United States. Now, here's kind of a kicker for us. It's kind of a pretty good thing. Both these South Korean companies are considering building manufacturing plants in South Carolina and Tennessee because of the charge, so says the White House. Now, here's a thought for you. The four largest retail banks in the United States suffered $12.5 billion, billion with a B, in defaulting credit cards in 2017. That's from Mercator Advisory Group. And, of course, the Federal Reserve, you look this up, if you think about it, total outstanding credit card debt for Americans reached $1 billion, one, no, excuse me, $1.023 trillion. That's $1 trillion, $23 billion in November of 2017. That's a record high. That's a lot of debt. That's up from 2008, which was the high at $1 trillion, $21 billion. Well, and here's what I want you to think about. If you happen to be one of those persons that uh, has had a faulting credit card debt, or maybe you're going through the process of just not knowing how to manage all that, today's program we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about one of the questions that so many people ask. How do you interview an advisor? How do you know what to ask? Well, my guest, Derek Bailey, is going to help us with that. He's going to cover some of the questions and concerns that you might have when you just sit down with someone who may have a tendency to talk a foreign language because it's about money and finances, and they don't always want to explain it to you. Derek's going to help us get through that. And also in the program, well, what's the status of health care? Repeal the mandate. That's what's happened. We know that's a fact that happened with the in December when we did the tax stack. Well, Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions, he's going to answer your questions about what's the future, how we're going to go. That's important. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Now, here's Mid-South Weather from News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center. Brought to you by the Crescent Club. Hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240. Call for a free tour at 901-684-1010.
Mostly sunny, windy, and warmer today. High temperatures will climb into the upper 50s as south winds gust on occasion. Clouds building overnight will hold in the mid and upper 40s by daybreak. Scattered showers now likely for your Thursday, mid 50s with winds shifting back to the north. Memphis Spine and Rehab relocating to Germantown across from Chick-fil-A on Wolf Trail Cove. Check them out at thememphisspine.com or call 901-751-0939. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers. On The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. As I told you, we're going to be talking with Shannon Dyson about the health care and coming up in the second half, Derek Bailey. He is the Director of Business Marketing and Development at Shoemaker Financial, and he's going to talk about what do you look for when you select a financial advisor? You know, you get those questions, and you just don't know how to ask them. Well, Derek's going to help us through that maze of what do you think about, what do you look for, how do you ask the questions that helps you understand what that advisor's doing. But first, we've got to talk about the repeal of the mandate, and really the president's signed an executive order making it easier for association health plans. And so we're going to find out what that really, really means to us, the consumer, in this workplace of uh, how do we get better care and all those things that go on? How do we manage the deductibles? My guest, of course, a frequent guest of ours, Shannon Dyson. He is the vice president of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions and uh, really knows so much about health care. It's amazing. Welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me back again. You know, Shannon, I guess one of the biggest questions that we have is this mandate that uh, people, you know, the president got attached finally to the health, to the Tax Reform Act. What did that really do? I mean, that's that's so many people saying that's a big deal. What did that really do? Yeah, so there were so many uh, efforts as we went through the end of 2017 to repeal the Affordable Care Act, and they all failed. They were all voted down at the last minute. There were even last-minute efforts that, that came in, and those were all voted down. Uh, those efforts had certain laws that they were going to repeal the Affordable Care Act, but we were also going to replace it with some other features uh, that, that the Republicans thought were good in health care. Uh, all of those failed, of course, and what we ended up with uh, was a repeal of the mandate uh, in the tax bill. And so all that we have now is we've said, okay, it is no longer mandatory in 2019 uh, for individuals to have health insurance. So there's no longer any penalty after 2019 for someone to say, I don't want health insurance, I'm just not going to have it. Okay, now with that mindset, what does that do to the insurance companies? I mean, does that say that they're, they're, because wasn't, what was the purpose? Let's make sure we understand that. What was the purpose of the mandate? The purpose of the mandate, when you have have laws that are enacted uh, that say an insurance company can no longer ask health questions of an individual, any individual can come on and get health insurance. We have no idea as an insurance carrier what we are taking on health-wise from individuals. Uh, so the point of that is, well, we need to make sure that everybody has to have health insurance. The law of large numbers says that if we can get everybody in, younger people in, paying premiums, even if we bring in a lot of the sick people, people that have health conditions, it's not going to matter because we have premium-paying healthy people in the system as well. So law of adverse selection. Correct, yes. You put everybody in the pool, it's better than, you know, exclude the healthy folks because they don't need it, don't want it. So now, is that because we no longer have the mandate? Is that going to put more pressure, more, I guess, uh, demand for the insurance companies? Is it going to raise the price? Well, what we've started seeing is that the insurance companies, uh, this was kind of a telegraph move by by the administration. They knew that this mandate at some point was going away. And so what you've seen over the last year, you've seen insurance carriers and the individual markets leaving those markets. Uh, Shelby County, we have one insurance carrier that is in the individual health insurance market. We used to have five or six. Now, when I first got started in the business, we had 20, Mm. uh, but we had five or six up through this last year, and now we only have one. So I think they started seeing what was happening. So yes, it will put a lot of pressure on the health insurance companies to either raise rates uh, for the people that are left in this 
uh, in the marketplace, and that's what we've seen also. We've seen prices skyrocketing over the last two or three years. Well, it made news yesterday that we've got three mega wealthy people, companies. I mean, you know, bottom line, they've just come out and said, we're going to do our own thing. We're tired of messing with it. Uh, Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Berkshire Hathaway, of course, the owners of those, the, the major stockholder, all three of those are extremely weak. We talked about rich. Well, it's real rich. Okay? Right, exactly, so, yeah. Bottom line is, what is that? What are we, what are we talking about? So they there? came out with an announcement that they were going to form their own type of health care uh, for their employees. They didn't say it was going to be an insurance company. They didn't really say what it was going to be, uh, but they were going to form an organization or a company uh, to provide health care for their million-plus uh, employees. Uh, on that announcement, too, I think the stock prices oh, the of the stock insurance, prices of insurance dropped. companies dropped dramatically. I mean, so, so is, that a, is that a telegraphed message to, we're just going to take control and fix this problem? I think what we're going to see over the next five years are a lot of different ideas coming back into the marketplace. When you get rid of the individual mandate, um, what also goes away are a lot of the essential health benefit requirements that, w- that were a part of the Affordable Care Act. Um, as requirements and, and regulations start to dissipate, you're going to have other ideas, other companies coming into the market with new, fresh ideas. Well, as I mentioned, it's the sort of the program. This president, has, you know, Mr. Trump has signed an executive order making it easier for association health plans to form. So let me ask this question. What are the implications of this? What do we see that that because he's done that, that executive order, what, how does that affect us, the consumer, and, and businesses? You deal a lot with businesses. You're consulting with businesses all the time. Right. What does this do? What it's doing is it's, it's redefining what we consider an employer. And so today, to be an, we have an employer-employee relationship. In order to get uh, a health plan for your company, uh, you're covering your employees. So you pay them a paycheck. They're your employee. You can provide insurance to them. What this law does is it kind of changes the way that we look at the employer-employee relationship. We're going to allow now like companies to form together to have a bigger health plan, even sole proprietors to join up with small businesses uh, to form health plans. And the idea is we can lower administrative costs for these groups when they combine together, and we have more, uh, more buying power for these groups. Instead of an individual going into the marketplace by themselves, they can join up with other groups. Now, that executive order was signed in October, but it's right. still in its vetting stages, right? Does that, it is. When do we see that actually coming, something that can actually begin to be done? So January 4th, uh, so the order was signed in October. On January 4th, they released what the law would look, something along the lines of what the law will look like. There's a 60-day vetting period after January 4th. And so people can ask questions. The public can look at the law, ask questions. Uh, in March... We should have something that looks like a law uh, that says this is how we're going to define an employer. Uh, these are the types of groups that can band together to form employer groups. And so we'll know a little bit more in, in, in March. So in, just to clarify, this is an executive order. It's not a law for today. It's just it's an executive order. So we're saying that it, we go to work on it, right? We, we, right? we can use it to move from that standpoint. So yep. my question then, is this, does this mean that individuals – what does it mean, I guess, for the individual and then the small business owner? You kind of mentioned the small business owner can become a cooperative type right. thing. So what does it do for the individual? Well, you have a lot of individuals that are, uh, let's just take real estate agents as an example. Uh, they ha- A lot of them are their own LLC or their own sole proprietor. Okay. Um, they have to get individual health insurance today for the most part. There are some organizations out there that will offer uh, the real, real estate associations and things like that. Um, they would actually be able to join together with small businesses to get on their health insurance plan um, because they live in the same state or they live in the same city. So there are going to be all types, and we don't know what those final rules are going to be, but that would allow those people not to have to go and get insurance on themselves, but to join together. If you just tuned in, my guest, Shannon Dyson, we're talking about 2018 health care update. We're talking about repeal and now the association health plans. And I guess. You know, uh, Shannon, I, I, when I talk about this association health plan, and this, this, from our standpoint, from Shoemaker Insurance, where we approach the small business owner, how is this going to change what you do? I mean, you, you do a ton of work with a lot of small businesses. Does this make a difference for you and how you counsel people? I it mean, changes the landscape for, for our firm. Uh, it allows us to be more creative uh, in how we approach small business owners. 
Uh, today, when we approach a small business owner, we have a handful of companies that we can go out into the market and bring those rates back to them, show them plan designs, show them a variety of plan designs. However, with this new law, we can now look at, let's like take an electrical contractor uh, that we have as a client, and we know that there's another maybe smaller electrical contractor that's looking for health benefits. We can be creative in joining those groups together and coming up with solutions for small business owners that maybe they've never even looked at or maybe they've never even thought of. Um, so it, it opens, it gives us much more of a creative license to do our business, which I'm really excited well, about. Well, again, that's what you do extremely well. When you sit out and when you're working with someone, I can, I've watched you work through that creative side, trying to find the best plan for them. And that's not always easy. Under the, under the past several years, that's been very difficult. Well, they're going to need it. When you're talking about these new association plans, companies are going to need people to bring them together. It's, it's a very difficult situation. You're running your business. Uh, you're not really thinking about who can I join up with to have health care and health insurance? Who, what other company can I join up with? You need someone to help you through that process. All right. Though the Affordable Care Act has not done away with if you need insurance, you can get insurance. Does this do away with that? Is this saying you've got to be underwritten? You've got to be healthy? Is that is that what this is going to change a little bit? Now, keep in mind, if I need insurance, I'm diabetic or I've got cancer, I can get a plan. But under this program, you're talking about the associational type program, am I going to have to pass a physical? I mean, or maybe have to answer health questions? Yeah, so everything that we've seen so far, uh, again, March will know for, for a little bit more clear or clearly. Uh, we've seen that, yes, you're going to have to an- answer some sort of health questions. Uh, your rates will depend on how you answer those health questions, but you would not be declined. Uh, so there'll be a rate for you. You may not like the rate that you get, uh, but you, you would not be declined insurance. And, and insurance companies have fought against these types of association plans for a long time uh, because the idea is that the younger, healthier companies with younger, healthy employees are going to be the ones that are joining up. Because they can pass because the health they can pass the health questions to get into these programs, and the ones that can't, we're leaving the ones that can't. And we're already talking about the insurance companies saying they're losing money on higher uh, claims. Well, now we're going to be only the groups that could not join these other groups left in that marketplace. Yeah, that's going to be the issue. Let me ask this question. Recently, I was you know working with someone, and I actually had a health problem, and they had delayed a serious health problem, a heart problem, a blood pressure problem. They had delayed talking with going to the doctor. Now, they, they thought maybe it was something else, but instead of them immediately going and checking on it, they were going to a, um, I, I call it, I used to call it Doc in the Box. Doc, but the, <laughs> Doc in the Box. That's what I probably shouldn't say today. But the yeah. reality is they were going to that type of environment and misdiagnosed a little bit. And then, you know, at the insistence of a family member, they ended up going to the doctor. And in the process, what they admitted, and this was the problem, that they had such a high deductible. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I, when I heard that, I thought, you know, I, that, I mean, I understand it. I do understand it. Now, this, this is couple it has no problem paying the deductible. Right. But their thought process, I mean, I don't know what their deductible was. It was $5,000 or some enormous amount to their mind. And uh, so they were avoiding going to the to the doctor. I, yeah, do you, I see that all the time. Do you see that? I, I do. And another another issue that happens. I had a um, a couple in my office last week. Um, they were on the individual marketplace, which Cigna is the only provider on the individual marketplace. Uh, their doctor was not in the network, um, and so he had delayed going to the doctor because he didn't want to pay an out of network higher deductible higher deductib- fee for that. So yeah, that's something that we see all the time, and it's a direct result of regulation, com- a lot of regulation on the companies and what they have to offer, what they have to cover. And so the only way to get prices down in a highly regulated environment is to raise deductibles. And so people that say, well, I can't afford this premium, I'm going to have to raise my deductible to five, six, $6,500. Uh, but when it comes time to actually go to the doctor, then, you, then you're forced to that realization. If they run a bunch of tests or an MRI or a CAT scan while I'm in there, I'm going to walk out with a $2,500, $3,000 bill pretty easy. And so you will see people putting off uh, going in for sure. And that is a, that's a big issue. It is. It is. Now, they, they did, you do have 100% coverage on wellness and well care and physicals, physicals um, yeah. and things like that. Um, but, and people do take advantage of that, not as much as they should. If you look at the, if you look at the statistics of people that actually go and get a physical uh, yearly, 
I'm very, one of those. It's very I'm small. One of those, yeah, but I'm well, one of I've, those. Yeah, I've got a. Yeah, I went to my doctor and he said, "When's the last time you've been here? <laughs> we changed our system since the last time you were here. They had to put me back into the system." <laughs> What's your name? Oh, you were a teenager last time we saw exactly. you. Exactly, right? but that is that's a problem. And when people aren't using their insurance to get their physicals, their the other issues arise, and then you don't go because you don't want to pay your deductible. You know what you're telling me, and I think this is an issue. And I guess I'd like for you to kind of give us give us your because you deal with this all the time. The challenges that. It's already a struggling, you know, healthcare problem. I mean, whether we go look at the repealing the mandate, the associational health plans, the high deductibles, one carrier, Cigna, what what's your take? I mean, is this is this Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Berkshire Hathaway pro- solution? What's the what's the solution to healthcare today? Because when somebody avoids going to the doctor, yeah, that's a that's a dangerous well, thing. Warren Buffett was was quoted as saying, "We we're not coming to this table with solutions, but we are coming to the table recognizing that there is a problem." And he said that uh, wages have increased about twelve percent from two thousand twelve to two thousand seventeen. That's the five years where the Affordable Care Act has been in place. But medical costs have gone up 19%. 19%. And so when wages are increasing at 12, medical costs increasing at 19, that's a problem. And so what I think and what I see happening uh, when we decrease this regulation, and that will start in 2019 with the individual mandate going away, um, there are going to be other plans that flood into the marketplace that may, for the person you were talking about, may give them coverage on office visits on first dollar. Uh, it may cover up to maybe 150 or $200 of that visit. So at least it gives them some coverage to go see the doctor. Uh, that type of plan is not allowed today. And so I think we'll just see more creative plan designs coming into the market. Now it will be up to people like me to make sure that, it, that a, an individual is buying or they're knowing what they're buying. And so if you're paying a smaller premium, you may not be getting the full umbrella of coverages, but it may fit for you. It is a maze. It, it is. is a difficult maze. And honestly, you know, we hear about it. We talk about it. It's it, it's very difficult to get yourself through. This person, highly educated, very capable, literally was making a health care decision based on a presumptive that they had such a high deductible they couldn't afford it. Right. And that's that was not the case. And yep. they, they should have. And again, when I come back, I want to ask you a little bit about health supplement plans, mm-hmm. just because that's sure. a question we got. We're also going to be talking with Derek Bailey about how do you find somebody that you can ask all these questions to? I mean, that's a difficult thing. And sometimes, you know, we don't do it because we don't have anybody to talk to. Well, Derek's going to give us some insight into what we need to be thinking about. What questions should we be looking for? Those are all those processes that we go through. And you kind of end up because you don't know what to say. You don't. And that's not the way to do it. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Of course, this is FM 107.9, The Voice, KM 990, talk radio for Memphis and the Mid-South. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The Osgood File, sponsored in part by Dell Small Business. Talk to a Dell Tech Advisor today to find the right Dell PC for your business. This is Charles Osgood from the Dell Small Business Studios. Diamonds may be forever, and there is a way to grow them in the lab. It is a real diamond. We've just taken what's happened in nature and just put it in a lab. As you'll hear after this. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no. What are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Diamonds that are grown in the lab look just like the diamonds that are dug up from the ground. Kelly Good is with Pure Grown Diamonds. 
the company that makes diamonds by simulating the conditions that create them in nature. As she told Reuters, while these diamonds are man-made, there's nothing artificial about them. All the composition is exactly the same. It is a real diamond. What we've done is we've just taken what's happened in nature and just put it in a lab. The entire process takes about two and a half to three months. Lab-grown diamonds are cheaper than diamonds that are mined, which can be bad for the environment, and some of those diamonds are procured through forced labor. Kelly Good says there is a market of people who want to buy diamonds with a clear conscience. Our consumer is, we're millennials. Anybody who's getting engaged are really buying the lab-grown diamonds. They also like the environmental aspect of it, that it's grown in a greenhouse. There's less soil being moved, less carbon footprint. While lab-grown diamonds look like natural ones and are made up of the same material, there are a few differences. As David Weinstein of the International Gemological Institute explains. I have a diamond, I'm looking at it, and I see a green peridot crystal. I know right away this wasn't created in a machine. So the inclusions can really be very telling as to what the origin of that material is, and that's what our gemologists look for. The Osgood File. I'll see you online at Facebook, Twitter, and at theosgoodfile.com. This is Charles Osgood. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm my guest today is Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance, Derek Bailey, the Director of Business Marketing and Development at Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about health care, and then we're going to talk about questions that you need to know and questions you can ask when you're trying to find an advisor. Because whether you're working with Shoemaker Financial or you're working with anybody, what are some of those things you really need to know to talk to about, to ask questions, to find out more about what's going on. And uh, that's going to be the second half is when we get to that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, Shannon, I had mentioned to you before the break that we wanted to talk about supplemental plans. Now, for the audience, let's make sure that everybody, when we say a supplemental plan, what is a supplemental plan? Medicare uh, supplement. So when you, you work your entire life, you pay into the system and you get Part A and B of Medicare. Part A is free, covers your hospital stay. Part B is uh, the doctor charges, you get that as far as when you turn age 65. Uh, what a Medicare supplement does is it's something that you pay an additional premium for uh, that takes care of all of the charges that Medicare does not cover. So so is that that's just health insurance that you can say you tack on top of Medicare B? Correct. It does. The, the name, it's really a good name. It supplements everything that Medicare doesn't cover. So there are deductibles that are associated with Medicare. Uh, there are copays that are associated with Medicare. Medicare supplements come in and take care of those charges, depending on which supplement you choose. We had a question recently about supplemental care, and that, that was the question reason why I wanted to ask it and get you to answer it for it. But the reality is it seems to be complicated, very hard to understand supplemental insurance. Now, you defined it simple. It's just on top of your Medicare, Medicaid, I mean, Medicare A and B, put it on top of B, and it's there. How do you know how to pick the right one? I mean, there's tons of them. There is. And it's tough, too, because you see a lot of commercials around at the end of the year talking about open enrollment periods right. um, for Medicare Advantage plans. There are Advantage plans. There are supplement plans. There's prescription Part D plans. And so I think the That's main— It's a whole other program. It's a I whole other program. Right. But, the, but the, the point is that people see all of this and hear all of these, and they get confused about what an actual supplement is. Uh, when, we, when we look at Medicare supplements, there are about— two or three, really, uh, that we would only recommend. There, there may be six or seven in the marketplace, but when you look through the benefits that they provide... You vet that pretty strong. We vet that out pretty strong, and there's two or three that, that you know, depending on a person's situation, they could choose either either of the three. Okay. Uh, but there, we kind of narrow it down to that decision. Derek Bailey, who is the Director of Business Marketing and Development at Shoemaker Financial. Derek, welcome to the program, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, Derek, one of the questions that I, I think, dealing with what Shannon's saying, you're in charge of developing the guys in the office, you're training, you're, you're teaching a lot. And, and really, the thought process here is just, just supplemental plans becomes a complicated subject. 
When you approach training and developing an advisor, and that's really your expertise, working through that, what are you looking for? Uh, how do you how do you approach them to just help them understand what they've got to talk about with the client? You know what you know what I'm saying? Yeah, what I'm saying? absolutely. You know, it's easy to get into the subject matter mm-hmm, and right. get into the technical matter, and a client glazes over, going, "I don't understand," and they don't do anything. How do you work with that? You know, and that's interesting. You asked that question because recently I was just talking to a friend of mine, and they had the exact same comment. You know, it was it's everybody wanted to talk about technical. They found it to be overwhelming, um, I, obviously intimidating. So from from our perspective, what we try to teach our advisors is really, you know, how to be a good interviewer, um, how to ask questions to really understand what is it that's that's making that client tick, what's important to them, what are their wants, what are their needs. So don't start off with the technical products and things of that nature, but be a very good interviewer. You know, that's that's so important that you say that because here's somebody. Now you got a 20-year seasoned advisor; he's learned that. Mm-hmm. But you take somebody in their first five years, they've got to. Good bit of knowledge because you've done a great job mm-hmm. of backing up the dump truck, dumping it on them and saying, absorb all this because right. you're teaching a ton. Right. Shannon's teaching at the same time. And then the reality is they've got knowledge. So when somebody asks them a question, they want to unload their dump truck. I mean, that's what we do in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And trying to get them to slow that process down, have a, have a process again for interviewing, um, you know, how to walk the client through understanding, painting a picture, really. What do you want to do with your life? What's your roadmap? And we, what we do is we kind of we apply that through role plays and things of that nature to teach them so that they can do that with their clients down the road. All right. If you just tuned in, my guest is Derek Bailey, also Shannon Dyson. And Derek's now talking to us about what do you look for when you're selecting an advisor? And being a good interviewer is, is, is I guess, question to you, Derek, is that something you teach and they can learn or is it natural? I think it's something you can teach and learn. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you, some people are better at it than others. Um, but I do definitely think it's something that, that, that can be acquired through practice. All right. We're, here we are. Here we're, we're talking to a potential client. Mm-hmm. And the client says um, they want to talk to the individual advisor. What would you tell them, number one? Let's just look at that at this day. What do they look for, and when they're selecting this advisor, or they're interviewing five advisors, three mm-hmm. advisors, right. what should they be looking for? Number one, you've kind of said they need to be a good interviewer, and Absolutely. I like that. That's a personal Absolutely. person. Okay, what's some of the other things? Well, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things to look at, um, but, it, but from a start, and, and again, we're not, this isn't the end-all, be-all, right. um, but from a start, are you know, credentials? Uh, are they properly licensed? Are they properly registered? Uh, things like that, and that stuff you can find out right online. You can go to BrokerCheck to find that out. Okay. Um, more importantly, things that you can find on BrokerCheck are there any complaints that they typically unethical. have? unethical unethical behavior, things of that nature. You know, you wouldn't think that's out there, but mm-hmm. it is. Absolutely, it is something you have to be aware of. Absolutely, and it's not only on BrokerCheck. These days, you can just Google somebody's name, and you can find out all kinds of information. So that's scary. It is. It is <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. But so, so starting with credentials, what are the credentials that you would say that? I mean, I understand <laughs> that credentials does not make a good advisor. Absolutely, credentials are not going to be the end-all to end-all. I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about. But, Absolutely. But making sure that they are properly licensed. I can't imagine somebody being in this business not properly licensed, but we know that mm-hmm. has happened before. We know that there have been people that have fraudulently done some things before. I've, been, I've seen that. I've had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. So that is important. But what are some of the credentials Outside of licensing and, and that, what are some of the things you'd look for? Well, I think the key word is credentials. Uh, I know a lot of times people will look for somebody that's won an award, some kind of reward, whatever it may be, but that's really not what we're talking about. Okay. We're, we're looking at really educational credentials. Uh, typically, from a planning perspective, the ones that a you know, client would be looking for would be a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. Uh, in addition to that, a charter financial consultant, which is a CHFC. Okay. Um, the 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 educational requirements for both of those are relatively similar. The courses that you go through, actually, I've got the CHFC. Um, the difference is, is the exams. Uh, from a CFP standpoint, not only do you have modular or topical exams, but in the end, you got to do a comprehensive exam too. So you're talking about someone who's taking the time and the energy and the effort to step through that process and, and taking the exams and saying, I am now credentialed. When you mention the awards, you're, you're just eliminating that because I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about – sometimes people can get published 
and say, you know, you're the top advisor. Then underneath the table, you might look at it and say, well, they paid a thousand dollars to get. Po-. We right. get that offer all the time. If right. you'll do this, we'll make you a top advisor in the world. Mm-hmm. But you got to spend ten thousand. We just don't. That's just not credentials. No, we're really looking for I'm educational. I'm not knocking that for right. somebody, but that's not what we're talking about. Correct. We're really looking for educational credentials. When we come back, I'm going to continue to ask those questions. What questions should you ask for? We were talking about supplemental health plans and and just the healthcare business all along. And it's very difficult to know how to ask questions. Well, when you get into the financial planning world and with the market kind of doing its little, you know, bump in the road here, how do you ask questions? How do you know when you're talking to someone that you're getting a good advice and they're talking to you? Best thing I think Tarek said to us so far is, bottom line is, they're a good interviewer. Well, stay with us. We're going to find out more from Derek Bailey. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The Liberty Bowl Stadium has been the home to many wonderful stories. When the Memphis Memorial Stadium was built in 1965, it was dedicated to Memphians who had served in the two world wars and in Korea. Its purpose was to relocate the Liberty Bowl from Atlantic City to Memphis. The stadium was renamed Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium nine years later. In 1983, the field was named Rex Dockery Field after a Memphis football coach who was killed in a plane crash just two weeks before Christmas. Since the 70s, the stadium has hosted numerous professional football teams, along with a few soccer teams. During the 90s, the stadium hosted the Memphis Mad Dogs, who were part of the Canadian Football League. Although there were some difficulty adapting the stadium to Canadian football rules, that one season in 1995 was a high point in the stadium's history, matched by the exhibition baseball game there between the Braves and the Brewers in 1975. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I am talking to Derek Bailey. We're talking about the reality of managing the way you go through as a, as a client. How do you manage an advisor? How do you work with an advisor? What do you look for? Well, and Shannon Dyson earlier on in the program was giving us all the updates about health insurance and supplemental plans and how complicated that can be. Well, guess what? You get into the financial planning world, investments, insurance, all of those aspects of that, that can even get extremely complicated. And sometimes, and Derek, you mentioned it earlier, it becomes intimidating, and you said one of the best best things that a client could look for is they, are they are they being interviewed, are they being asked questions? Would you dive into that just a little bit more? What do you mean by the interviewer? That's a great statement. I like that. Well, they're uh, you know they're not necessarily talking about themselves uh, or the firm whenever they meet with their clients. Rather, it's hey, what do what what are you trying to accomplish with your life? Let's let's talk about retirement, for example. What does retirement look like to you? Uh, are you looking to downsize? Are you looking to move? Are you looking to get a lake house? What exactly do you want to accomplish? Um, more specifically, if you're looking at college planning, they want their kids to go to a school. What is that school? You know, are you looking to fund four years, six years? What do you exactly are you looking? You know, to do? recently I had someone to come into my office. It was amazing. They were trying to get me to do something, and uh, you know, they were they were selling me something, and mm-hmm. I, I just made a mental note. The, the interview lasted about forty minutes. And you know how much I said in that 40 minutes? I had about three minutes Minutes, worth. They basically spent the entire time talking to me and telling me all about what they were doing and stuff like this. And that was a couple of weeks ago when this Mm -hmm. happened. And the reality was, as I paid attention to it, it wasn't about what, what their product could do for me. It was what, you know, they were going to do, you know, for me. And it was, it was not, they didn't really... Bottom line, at the end of the day, I don't think they knew too – they didn't ask me anything about what I was looking for. Now, right. that's what you're basically absolutely, saying. That's absolutely. the difference. I had uh, somebody actually make a sales call on me. I had a similar experience you did. Um, I was in there for maybe 40 minutes, or they were in my office for 40 minutes, and I bet I didn't say more than three words. Yeah, yeah. And my assistant came in and said, uh, I don't think we need to be doing business with that. So, anyway. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, so, absolutely. so when you're talking to our advisors, you're saying be a good interviewer. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're paying attention. Listen to the to the client. Know what they're wanting to do. What's their roadmap? Whether it's retirement, college planning, whatever it is, 
work with them to understand what they're wanting to do. That's critical. I I like that. What about services charged? I mean, how do you look at, how do they pay for that? I mean, as the first interview go into, do they describe this in the first interview, how are they getting paid? Absolutely. That's one of the things you want to do is be transparent with, you know, exactly how you're charging the client, you know, and they're probably going to have those questions. You can lead them into those questions, but really we're looking at, you know, most cases it's either going to be a fee, uh, fee only. Okay. Um, some circumstances it could be a fee for the assets that they're managing in addition to commission. So if they sell you a product, you know, perhaps, you know, life insurance product, disability product, there could be commissions on top of that. Um, combination thereof, you know, in some cases they may do fees and they may do commissions. So it all just depends upon their model. So you want the, the, the advisor that's talking to the client needs to be open and transparent. Absolutely. You use the word transparent. I like that word, mm-hmm. transparent. That's So just explain it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Don't it's, hide behind it. Just openly talk about it. Because down the road, it's going to probably be brought up anyway. So it'd be best to, you know, get it out up front. What about investment philosophy? I mean, I, I guess that's a thought process. If I'm going through here, do I do I expect them to talk to me about their investment, the, you know, the advisor, their investment philosophy? Absolutely, because it's going to end up in a conflict uh, if you don't communicate that uh, up front, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. that's that's the case. Uh, you know, are, are you is the advisor trying to really chase the market? Uh, is that their investment philosophy? Or rather, is it what are your goals and how are we going to get you there? Mm. Are we looking to keep you from running out of money in retirement? And we want to make sure that we get that college funded? Uh, or are we always chasing a benchmark, um, you know, from a market perspective? That's the key right there. So mm. it's, a, it's the whole process of that. That's, that's yep. extremely well. What about, um, you know, I deal with this with a lot of times where I, uh, people want to know who's on the team, who's involved. You know, I uh, I'm a certain age that uh, people want to know who's who's going to take over if I'm not here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what about that? Do you does the client need to just be open and say, "Hey, is it just you, or is it, are you that comfortable?" Uh, I I would do that, and the reason for it is because if there is a team, there are going to be phone calls made to that client from somebody on the team, and they not, may not be familiar with them, with mm-hmm. what their role is, and maybe uh, again getting back to that point of being intimidating, confusing. Uh, things of that nature. So you'll typically, you know, from a team perspective, you may have somebody that's more administrative on the team uh, that does the paperwork, things of that nature. You may have another person on the team that's really good with research, um, going out and finding answers. And then you may have the voice of the team, uh, which is generally the person that's most experienced yeah. uh, and is going to deal with the client, you know, early when it comes to product solutions, things of that nature. Again, fulfilling that roadmap uh, putting the the solutions in place that are going to allow somebody to achieve their goals. You know, Derek, you circled all the way around that, mm-hmm. and you came back to that starting point. I mean, that seems to me to be the th- thread that runs through your conversation. So from the philosophical standpoint, whether it's investments or, or how you get paid or out of all this stuff, really, you're staying very focused on how do you come back to where what's the client's desires, the roadmap. Is is that just so critical in every scenario? I mean, help me with that. I mean, you didn't. I don't know if you even realized you did it. You went all the way back, but <laughs> no, you came I back. Yeah. yeah, but is that just the way you the way it works? Absolutely. Um, why else are you working for? And again, counting it, and I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit about that fiduciary standard versus suitability standard. But you know, with that fiduciary standard, you're always putting the client's interest first, and it's really about what are you trying to achieve? Everybody has goals and objectives in life. And being able to understand that, march towards a plan to get that done is really what's important to me. Well, you mentioned it, fiduciary and suitability. We got about a minute, so talk to me. Uh, fiduciary standard, and, and that's actually something that's really been in the media lately due to a Department of Labor uh, regulations, but it's always putting your clients' uh, interests before yours. And that's not only today, but it's going forward. Whereas a suitability standard is at one particular time, you will find, uh, let me give you an example. So client may need a mutual fund for investment purposes for whatever need they have, uh, whatever goal they have. But there may be multiple funds uh, that you could utilize. You know, again, they're suitable because they need to invest money and have it grow. um, But one may cost more than the other. So from a suitability standpoint, you could end up selling that one fund uh, that's higher priced, mm. but it is suitable. It's still suitable. Still suitable at that particular time, yes, sir. 
And then you said it's a one-time deal. Suitability is one-time. Fiduciary goes on forever. I mean, you just once you're still working with the client, it's still you're still a fiduciary. Absolutely. On forward. If you just tuned in, my guest Derek Bailey. We're talking about how do you choose an advisor? What do you ask an advisor? Well, we've covered several things. When we come back, we're going to dive into some other thoughts about how do you look at what's the typical client of the individual? Do you fit? And if you don't, maybe that's a problem. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Now, here's Mid-South weather from News Channel 3's Severe Weather Center. Brought to you by the Crescent Club. Hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240. Call for a free tour at 901-684-1010. Mostly sunny, windy, and warmer today. High temperatures will climb into the upper 50s as south winds gust on occasion. Clouds building overnight will hold in the mid and upper 40s by daybreak. Scattered showers now likely for your Thursday, mid-50s with winds shifting back to the north. Memphis Spine and Rehab relocating to Germantown across from Chick-fil-A on Wolf Trail Cove. Check them out at thememphisspine.com or call 901-751-0939. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers. On The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. My guest, Derek Bailey, Shannon Dyson. We're talking about with Shannon, we definitely dived into health care as always. Shannon does a great job with that. Derek Bailey's kind of walking us through how do you go about selecting an advisor? That's such a tough, tough thing for a lot of people because he started out saying, well, it can be intimidating because sometimes advisors might talk in a different language or just go through a process that is extremely difficult to understand. And Derek's talked about the fact that a good advisor needs to be a good interviewer. Derek, that is that is probably my takeaway from this is that you really are saying that they need to listen. They need to be, there needs to be a certain amount of empathy there. Uh, so many times, and I know when you're taking the time to develop our young people in the office and you're doing that, Derek's the Director of Business Marketing Development at Shoemaker Financial, and, and I know you you really spend the time teaching these the young people to be good interviewers, but also empathetic and to care, because they have a tendency to get a little knowledge and then they want to share all their knowledge. I mean, and which is normal. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand that, but the reality is, it's it's walking through and and listening and 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 finding out what the client's long term goal is. Right. Absolutely. Uh, again, going through that interview process, which is what we walk them through, teach them. Uh, I mentioned that some people are better than others. It comes a little bit quicker. For others, it takes a little bit longer uh, to get there. But you find. If you have that interview process, a bond generally will form between that advisor and that client. Uh, And again, like you said, that client doesn't feel like I'm being sold something. It's rather somebody's working for me. And that's that's important. Yep, absolutely. There was once a gentleman told me, I was at a, there was a panel discussion. There was a business owner there. And he said, listen, I don't want somebody that's selling me something. He's trying to talk to advisors. Mm Mm-hmm. He said, rather, I want somebody who's making decisions as if they're part of my team. And I think that's the idea of what we're trying that's to teach. The, that's the key right there. Right. What about the, the question of to where you ask the advisor, you know, who's your typical client? Because here I am. Let's say I'm a business owner, as this guy you mm-hmm. just mentioned. Right. 
And I, I say, what's your typical client? And the guy has no business owners as clients. Well, right. am I going to fit with this particular? Some advisors are great at business clients. Some are better at the individual executives. Some are better at just mom and pop. Those that are out there doing a great job, we call some of those people the millionaire next door. Mm-hmm. The reality is that's a mindset. But how do you – is that a question that can be asked? Yeah, it should be. Uh, absolutely it should be because a lot of advisors have maybe a niche. That doesn't mean that they're – you know, that's the only person that they work with, but they have a specialty uh, with that particular type of client. So uh, if they have no experience really with what – are your concerns and what you're trying to accomplish, then perhaps it may not be a, a good fit. You know, people are saving for retirement. We, we've seen statistics that say, you know, we've got a, we're up 2% from last year, 2016 to 2017, more people saving for retirement than 23% versus mm-hmm. 21%. Reality is finding out what a client's objectives are, goals, as you've mm-hmm. used that several times, what if the client doesn't know those goals? They just don't know. Well, you're, t- you're often going to find that with younger clients. I mean, you can't, you ask them about retirement, they're not going to be able to paint a picture at that point in time. So sometimes there's just some guardrails that you're trying to stay between and say, hey, look, well, if that's your circumstance, really what we're looking to is let's agree upon an amount that we want to put towards retirement. We can't paint the picture yet, but at least we can get down that roadmap. So there is the client who's literally asking for, give me advice, help me out. Yes. And the, the, the advisor's got to be willing to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you tuned in, this, of course, you can listen to this again on a podcast. Be sure to do that. The questions are, what do you look for? What do you ask when you're selecting advisor? Well, Derek's done a great job. He's talking about they need to be a good interviewer. They need to look credentials, CFP, CHFC, and not just an award. Don't look for that. Look for the fact that they are licensed. Maybe they need to, you say, have they got some unethical behavior? Find that out. Ask the questions. How are they? How do they charge you? Are they transparent? Derek, that's critical right there. The, the transparency is, is a tough one. Some people just can't do that. Yes. And that's critical for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So being transparent, what's their investment philosophy? High touch, be sure they're doing that. And uh, who's on their team? And what's a typical client? And we talked about a fiduciary and what a person is, when a fiduciary, that's a long-term relationship or suitability. Bottom line, it's one time. Well, you've done a great job. You've given us tons of information. We'll have you back on the program, Absolutely. too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Shannon, you talked about health care. Quickly, you got about 45 seconds. The, basically, what we discussed and kind of what to be looking for over the next couple of months, there's going to be new rules that are going to expand that employer-employee relationship. Uh, it's going to make it easier for companies that are like companies to combine together to form bigger plans, uh, to get uh, law of large numbers, to get better premiums for their employees. Uh, And we'll see what that does to the market. If it brings new plans into the market, it will definitely allow us to be more creative in the plan designs that we offer to our clients. Uh, So it's an exciting time in group benefits uh, and, and for employers to say, you know, maybe we've had We've been hit with some higher premiums the last couple of years. Maybe there are some couple, a couple of things coming down in 18 and 19 where we can lower those premiums again. Well, guys, uh, I got all I got to say is great program, very interesting, and I learned a lot of thought about what you're talking about, Derek. How do you find an advisor? The questions you should ask. Don't be intimidated. Mm-hmm. Step out there and do the questions. That's important. Shannon is so much about health care today, and we want to have you back on the program, both of you guys, and uh, talk a little bit more about that from the future standpoint. Well, you've been listening to, of course, The Voice. This is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks so much for being a part of today's program. We appreciate it. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative, and Derek Bailey is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brashear and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Serving Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas. The latest news stories are here. This is KWAM Memphis.